if the whole point of Georgia football is to get top shelf talent at every single position like Alabama does, I don't think Stetson Bennett's that guy. And that is, I don't mean offense to the guy. He played great. He played hard. He's scrappy. He's a fun guy to watch. But I don't see any way that guy's going to beat Alabama down the line. Georgia went to Tuscaloosa and for a half of football looked like they were in position to pull off an upset. However, the Crimson Tide's offense proved way too potent and Georgia proved way too mistake prone to keep it close as the dogs were outscored 21 to nothing in the second half of the game on Saturday night. Is Stetson Bennett the answer at quarterback? Will Kirby face off against Nick Saban again this year in mid-December? How does the rest of the season play out? These topics and more are addressed on this Georgia-Alabama postgame podcast. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 249 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, can be heard on this episode. As for me, well, according to the two of them, I simply drove off to the ocean and started walking out into the surf all because of this game. But I'm happy to report I'm just fine. I'm here in Athens and we'll be back for our Kentucky preview show in one week. But let's find out what Tony and Will have to say. And we appreciate you tuning us in. And maybe this podcast episode will help lessen the disappointment that we all felt less last Saturday. I was going to say last Saturday night. It already feels like a week long. Uh, it was just 12 hours ago or less as the dogs lost their sixth in a row to Alabama. And here's Will to get it all started. Gentlemen, Alabama 41. I say gentlemen, by the way. This game was so sad. Scott's not with us. He's wandered off into the ocean somewhere. Like I, I mean, I'm big enough for two of us. It's fine. <laughs> he's, Scott is just like a like like from a Bergman movie, just walks into the ocean to drown as a set of robes billow behind him. 41 to 24. Alabama wins. Um we had many different scenarios how this might go. And for the first half, it looked like it was going in the good scenarios, and then it didn't. Um, lots of things to kind of unpack from here, uh, but Tony, what's your first takeaway from what happened Saturday night? I mean, it's definitely a game of halves. You know, we, um, I think interestingly, I, I mean, there is such a thing as momentum. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, momentum's not, that's not a thing. I disagree with that. Um, man, did it ever swing hard on that, um, quick drive and field goal at the end, almost like the, I guess like the Rose Bowl when we kicked the field goal on the, um, yeah. short tried, you know, little squib kick thing they tried Oklahoma tried. It's the same thing, right? It's just sparked something in Alabama to have that. Um, uh, you know, I was just checking at the stats and, um, there'll be a lot of hay made over the next two weeks about the, the yardage disparity and how many, how many yards Alabama got on Georgia's offense, uh, defense and all that. But you know, even at halftime, we were within 30 yards on one more play, had more rushing yards on one less rush. And, you know, I mean, Stetson was 12 of 25 at that point. Um, he only completed six more passes the rest of the game. So, you know, I, I think when you sit down and look at this, if you're going to be clear eyed and objective about it, we got out adjusted at halftime. We never really tried anything different in the second half. Of course, at, at some point, the game script gets away from you and you have to feel like you have to throw. Um uh, and then when you have a running back like Najee Harris, when you get the ball back, you don't have to do anything but just grind the ball at people, even defenses as good as Georgia. And and that's what Alabama did. And that's how you wind up losing by um, two plus touchdowns. 
we can get to all what went right in the first half, uh, perhaps at some point. But you know, to me in the second half, two things really happened. One, uh, that interception. You know, it really felt like with Georgia driving that this was going to game be the game that everybody thought it was going to be, which was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That interception, uh, which was not a good pass, to be very clear, uh, and you talk about twelve for twenty-five. That's under fifty percent, even in the first half. We can discuss we can discuss Stetson and, and kind of the post-game comments about him, but uh, there were some good throws. That bomb in the first half was obviously gorgeous, but you know, clearly, whatever something, whether it was defensive adjustments after that interception, it really felt like this was this started getting away. That's the thing about having someone like Bennett, which is to say, uh, he gets he's very exciting, and you get fired up when he's when he's on. Uh, but even when he's on, he's not efficient at all. <laughs> like if you can see where I'm starting to come down on this. Like, listen, he had a good first half. I love that bomb. He 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 has some great scrambles. He's fun to watch. He is. I would say he is the platonic ideal of a quarterback who is easy to root for. And I don't even mean that necessarily in just a personal aspect. He is like a like he plays the quarterback the way that like we all imagine ourselves would play quarterback, which is a really really fun style. And when he does it, it's great. He's just a very easy easy route for a guy. But even that first half, when things are going well, he's under fifty percent passing. He's got an interception. Um, and again, there's highlights there, and there are things to get excited about. But the problem is, he's got two problems that came in. I think clear effect in the second half. One, he's mistake prone. He'll push it a little bit. He's 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 not precise with his passing. He's he makes some great passes and he pulls off some awesome football plays. But his precision is definitely not something that you would say. And then he does not have the massive physical tools to make a throw across his body throw uh, like he did for a second interception. And I, to me, I tend to not get too fired up about the balls batted down the line. That feels less like a Stetson Bennett problem and more like a huge Alabama hands problem. Uh, I think that uh, I know that happened a couple of games beforehand, but that doesn't seem like a like a massive problem to me. The problem for me with Bennett is not that he's a bad quarterback because he's obviously not. But he doesn't seem to me as a quarterback you're going to be able to beat Alabama with because you have to be precise, perfect, and be able to make big, big plays. And the minute one mistake was made, that's what happened in the second half. They were matching them. They were matching them. But once that first mistake was made, Alabama took advantage of it. Then you were just gasping the best you can to try to catch up. And that just puts you in a worse position. And as you said, with Harris, Alabama was then just able to just kind of run the ball down, down the throat. So, you know, I think that the Georgia defense, I thought, acquitted itself pretty well in the first half and not terribly, frankly, in the second half. Alabama is incredibly talented. It is a non-zero possibility that they're actually last year's LSU offense. <laughs> like that's a, that's, a, that's certainly a possibility. Um, it's certainly it's, looking more like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if that's the case, I'm not sure. Uh, forget Stetson Bennett. I'm not sure that uh, JT Daniels or Dewan Mathis or Jake Fromm or Justin Fields even are, are are being are being able to match those guys. But I do think that the limitations that Bennett has. Uh, struck me as particularly apparent as things started to cascade and get out of control. Yeah, and one of the things I'll note about that, and I can't disagree with anything you say about Stetson, is that the the one thing I'll note is that um, 
it should surprise no one that Alabama batted more balls down than um, other teams did. We, um, we saw batted balls against all, all, all three teams. Uh, well, I guess not as much against Arkansas, but especially against uh, Auburn and Tennessee. Um, because they have the same game tape that all the rest of us do. And they know that we want to do those quick passes in the middle, those seam routes. And uh, I, there was only one of those that were batted that I, I looked at in like – I don't know where he was going with that ball. I mean, they were clearly open, either tight ends or uh, receivers open on those, those seam routes. And the same goes for um, the, the same goes. I mean, you know, there was a drop touchdown pass and that ball was underthrown or and thrown behind. Um, the one thing I'll say that is we could see a totally different quarterback. And by the way, guys, if you haven't been paying attention, Georgia is not playing Kentucky next week. We're, we're waiting two weeks to play them because Florida ruins everything. Um, but there's nothing that would surprise me about the quarterback position when we we take the field in Lexington, except for maybe Carson Beck, maybe. Um, but, you know, if we do keep Stetson in there, and I'm not saying we should change quarterbacks, if we do keep Stetson in there, it is on Munkin to figure out play calls to get him either a little deeper set behind the line or move him around a little more because – Kentucky looks like they have a decent defense. This is the SEC. There's no defensive lineman that's below 6'2 and doesn't have, you know, a massive arm arm span and huge hands. The book on Stetson is not so much, I mean, he, he did get sacked, but he's not you're not going to sack him as much as you're going to be able to disrupt them by disrupt him by knocking his passes down at the line of scrimmage. Um the only other little little thing I would say there um is that I think you saw some of the reason why Stetson is in there because guys, the offense loves playing for him. And even, even at the end of the game, after the, the horrible interception where he just, I mean, he, even he said, just like, I just, I got, I got to play smarter than that. Um, that felt very much like a very good high school quarterback who was used to throwing stuff up and having good things happen. You cannot do that in the sec. You certainly can't do it against Alabama. Um, and one last thing about the defense, um, Again, everybody's going to make a big deal about Najee Harris's all his yards and all these other things. And he had 31 touches. And I'm not saying for certain that if Georgia gave one guy 31 touches, he wouldn't have the same number of yards. But if you count Georgia's top three um, rushers, we had almost exactly the same number of yards. If you get to 31 rushes, same number of yards and same average. Um, it's just there, there's there's two things that were clear about the game last night is that first, um Georgia matched up physically and matched up uh, scheme-wise and matched up coaching-wise in the first half. That was clear. The second thing is um, Alabama's coaching staff flat out coached and out-schemed Kirby's coaching staff in the second half. And that was clear on both sides of the ball. I was particularly impressed. I'm glad you brought up the running backs because I thought Milton was terrific. <laughs> I think that and I think Zamir Zamir has looked so much better the last two or three weeks. I think like he's hitting hard, but again, you know, Alabama can keep giving it to Najee because they're up, and Georgia has to start making those things. And listen, I don't know if uh, you mentioned how Kentucky uh, has been moved back a week, so I don't know if we're actually going to do an in-person podcast this week because there's no game. We have we have to discuss with Scott when he get, when we fish him out of the ocean, but. <laughs> I will say that I think this I again I love Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I was it was funny. Uh Ryan Skates, our friend at uh the game notes, uh had a Twitter question, had, a, had an Instagram question this week saying, okay, from or Bennett. And I'll be honest with you, as someone that made fun of uh that was very slow to come on to Jake Fromm, uh that the answer struck me as obvious 
that it was from. And I was the only one of like 15 people that said from. <laughs> so I feel like that says a little bit a about how we love quarterbacks and how much, how we love, like remember there was a time where uh, I hung on to Eason too long and then Eason wasn't the real guy and Fromm's the real guy. And now Bennett's the real guy. Obviously that was before this game, but Bennett is so fun. He's a fun guy to cheer for. Like I get it. But, like, the, he is a junior, okay? He's a junior, which means he's got another year after this. You have two five-star, five, four-star quarterbacks behind him. you got another one coming in next year. You've got two weeks off now. So, theoretically speaking, if you thought you could get it, we don't know Daniel's health, or if you thought that Mathis had to give you a higher upside, um, either you are saying – Wow, Bennett, there's stuff that he's got to work on. Again, this is probably where they have a longer conversation in person. But if Bennett's got stuff that he's got to uh, work on, you have to decide, look at this game. Okay, is Stetson Bennett going to be the quarterback that's going to eventually beat Alabama? I think that's a question you have to ask yourself after watching this game. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have the fire to do it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be able to win the SEC East, because I do. And and for the record, being a quarterback who's good enough to win the SEC East is an excellent achievement. That's an incredible thing. No, Most people are unable to do that. But it's, it's going to be a while for me to be convinced after watching this game that Georgia can beat an Alabama or a Clemson, a, a team that has quick strike capabilities on offense and tons of talent uh, in the in the defensive backfield. It's going to be hard to convince me that Stetson Bennett is that guy. And uh, I don't know. Clearly, after the game, Kirby Smart, and you're right, Tony, you talked about how the the team was clearly rallying around them, uh, no question. And uh, they, he, he definitely he did not have the look of a of a, he didn't look like Guarantano did <laughs> in the Tennessee game. Like it looked like a guy that's still got a future with his team and this, whose teammates believe in him. There's no question about that at all. But Georgia's got two five star quarterbacks right behind him who have big arms and can get the ball downfield and can be more accurate and precise. Again, we've not seen it in games. We don't know if their teammates believe in them. But to beat Alabama, it's, I find it difficult to argue <laughs> that to beat Alabama after watching this game we just saw, you need a quarterback with a higher ceiling than Stetson Bennett. And I mean no offense to Stetson Bennett, who is awesome, and I, I would have it would have made me so happy if he'd have pulled this off. But again, it wasn't just the second half. He was inefficient in the first half as well. He was under 50% passing. Again, I loved that bomb. I didn't know he had that in him. Awesome. Great. He also missed like two or three others down the middle deep. And I'm, it's just, it's a great story. And I love the guy. But if you, like, what are we doing here, right? <laughs> like, are we trying to be the top shelf ceiling team that we're wanting? Or are you trying to get a guy that's really fun to cheer for and uh, looks like the type of guy the teammates rally around? And, and again, all I'm saying is if you're going to pull that trigger of the, okay, Stetson, we love you, but if we're going to have our top shelf team to be Alabama come December when we probably play them in Atlanta, 
I think you have to inv- you have to get someone w- with a higher talent base. If you're going to make that decision, it doesn't look like they're going to make that decision, by the way, and Kirby Smart knows more about football than I do. But if you were to make that decision, it feels like now would be to have to be the time to make that decision because you've got two weeks because you have this extra week now. You've got these games where you're going to be able to get a Mathis or if Daniels is healthy, some frankly, some problem, some wins. And you've got Florida, so there's, there's there obviously there are issues there. But again, a, who knows if Florida's going to be able to play <laughs> that week? That's another issue. Um, but for me, you know, I just think that if if the whole point of Georgia football is to get top shelf talent at every single position, like Alabama does, I don't think Stetson Bennett's that guy. And it, that is, I don't mean offense to the guy. He played great. He played hard. He's scrappy. He's an awesome guy to, fun, f- pl- to cheer for and a fun guy to watch. But I don't see any way that guy's going to beat Alabama down the line. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Northside and Westside Bottle Shop located here in Athens, Georgia. For the past three weeks on the postgame podcast episode, you've heard myself and Sachin talk about what makes the Northside Bottle Shop so unique. In fact, the Northside and Westside locations are your home for beer, seltzer, wine, spirits, and cigars here in Athens. Maybe you need a bottle of wine to go with dinner, spirits and mixers, for your watch party of the cocktail party in a few weeks. Or maybe it's a keg for the bar in your man cave. The Bottle Shop Athens has you covered. If you're into cigars, both the north side and west side locations have humidors packed with an extensive selection. In addition to packaged goods, the west side location fills growlers and crowlers and is your headquarters for homebrew and winemaking supplies. They have all of the gear and ingredients and instructions for y'all who are brewing beer or making wine at home. If you don't know what you want, they do have in-store. In fact, they have a lot of in-store experts. I've talked to many of them who are happy to be your guides and give you a variety of recommendations from the selections of their craft beer, their fine wine, spirits, and liquors. The Northside store is located at 950 US 29 North, which is just past the Athens Tech Water Tower. And the Westside store is located at 3685 Atlanta Highway. So head on over to their website for a list of their selections or to place an online order. They do that too and schedule a pickup. From craft to kegs and so much more, check out bottleshopathens.com. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, it's a fairly open question, right? You, I, and you, you, I think you framed it the right way. Um, the, there's, there's two things. Uh, pushback's not the right way of doing it because I don't think there's any argument that on um, well, I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing objectively argumentative at all about saying and agreeing that there are two quarterbacks that are highly more highly rated than Stetson. Um, yeah, I think one of them. It feels. I feel very comfortable in saying, without any knowledge, that one of them, either he or the coaches, are still not comfortable with where he is with his knee, um, and the other one. They haven't seen. I have, to, I have to assume they haven't seen the improvement in in Mathis to let him come in there. I, I think you're right, and that's kind of why why I hedged when I say there's nothing that would surprise me about the quarterback who's starting a quarterback in Lexington other than maybe Carson Beck starting. One of the things I think is important for for and I have to remind myself it's important for us to realize or, or recognize is that we're still kind of installing an offense that Monken brought in, and um, I, I've never wanted to. I've never have really thought. Well, you know, losing spring practice, blah, 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 because everybody lost spring practice, or nearly everybody lost spring practice. Um, however, and, and the one however I will say is that it uh, offenses have a tendency to um, 
gel the longer you go. Uh, and one and one of the things I think we've seen is that it felt like some of those play calls were play calls that we, you know, we we kind of unwrap for this week and that we've been installing or whatever. I also think it is a um, you can't underrate at least right now in and in, in having the difference between having maybe Jamie Newman in in Stetson Bennett. And again, I'm with you. I, I think Stetson is a fantastic guy. He's fun to watch. He's great to root for. But I mean, we've known what his limitations are from day one uh, when he stepped on the field against Arkansas, which are he is um, careless isn't the right way of putting it. He is he will make decisions. Uh, based on his uh, willingness to believe he can do it, that are high risk, high reward, and those are the types of plays that put you in a in a in a real bind against a team like Alabama that is will absolutely jump on you at any given moment. Um, now, I will say, and, and obviously, you know, one we could debate the the first uh, interception leading to points because it you know that, that felt like a give back, take away kind of thing. Um, but the the game really did shift on that pass uh, that was intercepted the goal line return to the 44. I mean, we were in, we were in the, in the red zone. I, I think you framed it as a, as a horrible pass. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a horrible pass. It wasn't a great pass, but it wasn't a horrible pass. Um, and, but you know, that was, he'd also gotten away with one a little before then where he just threw into triple coverage. And the only reason it was intercepted the goal line then was because there were three Alabama guys trying to intercept the ball. Um, but those are the sorts of plays that, if you're going to be in Alabama, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm starting to to talk myself into agreeing with you about Stetson, uh, if they're going to be Alabama, you can't put yourself in a position where not only do you take points off the board, you basically give the game back over to them. Uh, this is probably where I'll insert that Scott would would talk about uh, at length about the the officiating. I only saw one call; it was a big one. Only one call where I was like, okay. I don't. I don't even know where that came from, uh, and that was, of course, the pass interference that on third down. But, um, but you know, that's that. That's a four point swing, not a seventeen point swing, and um, it does matter there. But we may look back on this, and, and again, we may play them in the SEC championship game, and the whole whole game script is different. We may look back at this and we're like, wow, Georgia held them under five hundred yards, and um, I mean, that may end up being a big deal, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I think that's right. And that that's kind of the nightmare scenario, right? And again, whatever. This is this is the thing, right? This is another reason that it was hard to look at that LSU team last year and not think, "Wait, so it kind of doesn't matter if you put together this awesome two deep, three deep incredible defense if you have a team that can do that." And it's hard not to think the same thing when you look at Alabama now. <laughs> like that team, like Mac Jones is awesome. Uh, and those three receivers look like three NFL wide receivers right now. Like the thing that we are hoping Pickens turns into, it feels like they have three of those guys like right now. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, that's, it's going to be hard to beat that. It's going to be hard to beat that with Dewan Mathis. It's going to be hard to beat that with JT Daniels. Again, it would be hard to beat that with Justin Fields if you're still uh, 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 humping that chicken. Uh, but I would say that uh, I'm not sure that you can – I'm pretty sure you can't do it with Stetson Bennett. And, uh, and again, we'll see what happens. There's our next week off all of a sudden that we have. So uh, we'll see how that works. Uh, you're right about that call. I thought that was a bad call too. That is also what the Alabama tax. 
Like that just felt like a little bit of a, yep, that's just a call that Alabama gets. And yeah. it's hard to, and, and it's frustrating, but again, you're right. That was not a 17 point call. It was a four point call and uh, they lost by more than four points. And I think that's, I think that's fair. Hey, well, before we go, I do want to, we, we got to say a little, a uh, little something for Sam Pittman. It's looking more and more like the yeah. best team Georgia played the first three games is Arkansas. And there was a whole play in three acts that took place yesterday in the early games between um, Bo Nix and Chad Morris getting into a little bit of a screaming match at each other on the sideline. Uh, Gus Malzahn seemingly not even looking at Chad Morris. And then Chad Morris's old team coming out and playing totally different football for, for four weeks in a row and defensively, especially with basically the same players and, and the same players that last year under Chad Morris could not, um, could not be Colorado state. So, you know, that's a, um, I am really happy for Sam Pittman and, and what they're doing over there. Um, I think, it, you know, all the people that look, I, Sam Pittman still could play now, but all the people are like, Oh, you're hiring a, hiring a offensive line coach over there. He made a pretty good hire in getting Barry Odom down from Missouri uh, because that defense is, is playing really inspired football right now. Yeah, it's always nice, too, when a Georgia assistant coach goes somewhere else and it does, both does well but also is in no way, shape, or form a threat to Georgia in any way because they're on the other side. It's perfect. It's like the ideal scenario. So. Yeah, it, you know, it's frust- it was is a frustrating loss, but again, you know, we knew coming in in many ways whether you won or lost this game, this was a little bit of a warm-up and a precursor for what what you would presumably see in Atlanta. I'll put it this way, if these two te- teams don't see each other in Atlanta again uh, come mid-December, um, we have much larger problems. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> like, agree with that. Like and- like uh, that that we need don't need to worry about. The one thing I would say is I would, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're having some Sunday morning reflective, um, pensive thoughts. The, um, I would encourage Georgia fans, um, to think critically about 2017, 2018, 2019, each of those seasons, we took a loss in, in the regular season where it looked like. Well, there's zero chance we're even going to be competitive in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And let's take LSU out because um, because last year, uh, you know, the closest anybody was to LSU was Clemson in the first half. I guess um, maybe I don't I don't know their season well enough to say that for certain. But you know, either way, um, you know, we lost embarrassingly to an Auburn team that turned around and looked like the real deal and beat Alabama, and then we beat the crap out of them in the SEC championship. Two years ago, oh, we lost to LSU on the road. Um, did not look competitive in that game. Looked like we were just totally stifled by a team that, frankly, didn't feel like as good as Georgia and probably weren't at that time. And then played Alabama within you know, two minutes of beating them in the SEC championship. I, I'm still willing to put a pin in the Stetson Bennett isn't the guy to get us over Alabama. Um, although a lot of points we made earlier in the podcast make a lot of sense in our rational thoughts and are not at all biased by, you know, liking Stetson Bennett. I think the way you want to approach it is exactly the way Kirby said. It's like, we got to get better. They're a better team than us right now. And we have to get better. But, you know, all our goals are in front of us. And I realize that's kind of a, a running trope on this podcast. Uh, but also, you go and take care of business the rest of the season and get in the SEC championship game. That's the first step in the baseline. And if you're somebody that's like, 
Kirby has to get over that hump this year or he should be fired. You and I are just different people, different fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And I hope no one's saying that. Um, uh, to close, uh, listen, you, I get because I don't know if we're doing a podcast in person this week or not. My guess would be no, because there's no Kentucky game to, to look forward to, but we'll, we'll see how the schedules work out. It probably depends the, what happens with the Braves tonight. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, check out my piece on MLB.com, by the, by the way, this morning. I wrote a piece uh, uh, after the Braves game last night about uh, Atlanta sports fan torture. <laughs> and and kind of uh, for a, a beginner's guide for Atlanta sports fans' pain. Because yesterday was a very tough day for your Atlanta sports fan, uh, to say the very least. At least Atlanta United didn't play, uh, though, though I think they'll probably lose uh, tonight as well. Uh, but no, I, I wrote a piece about that. But one thing that we ended on in the in the podcast last week was talking about Dan Mullen. And uh, it, we were talking specifically about how I felt Georgia fans should be grateful that they have this sort of coach who uh, understands that there are other things in the world going on other than college football right now. And even if deep down he might want 90,000 fans in the stands, would never do something so stupid and so foolish to say so aloud. Um, I hope Dan Mullen as well. Uh, They are clearly dealing with a major outbreak at Florida right now. And um, it certainly does not seem like the sort of situation where uh, they are the but the, the symbol of uh, the pinnacle of how this is done or the, the best system, whatever, whatever the Mullen said. Uh, but it's just a reminder to football coaches and to everyone that um, uh, every time you try to make some sort of definitive statement about anything involving this virus and the way it works around the world, uh, it will make you look very foolish. Uh, and so it made me very uh, – I hope he is well. I hope Florida gets well. Uh, I know that kind of hurts uh, Georgia to not have that off week before their game. And I understand why Georgia fans would be upset about that. But, I mean, again – as someone that watched, that can't believe they're about to finish off a baseball season, be grateful that any of this hap- is happening at all because it's super hard. <laughs> and you're seeing this in Florida, and you've seen this at plenty of other schools, and uh, it is not a good time for hubris, uh, which I think is uh, something that Dan Mullen uh, certainly had. Yeah, and Dan Mullen doesn't need help looking like an idiot. So, you know, if, if Karma's going to come back and do this to him— um, I hope he's okay. I just yeah. Oh, I, I definitely hope he's, hope he's okay. okay. Yeah. I, I say do this to him. I don't mean him getting sick. Yeah, I know. It's just know. making that statement, and then literally half his team either being diagnosed or quarantined out of being able to play football for two weeks. Um, it's you know it, it. The thought pieces this week out of people that have been tisk tisking playing football all for five weeks or six weeks or seven weeks, however long it's been. Um, they didn't need they didn't need extra fodder <laughs> and they got it uh, there's any question about that um all right well we'll see what happens we'll see if we do a show this week if not we'll be previewing kentucky uh the week after because we have a sudden surprise surprise a week off in the middle of the year so uh uh that'll be that'll be fun um all right uh well tony uh tough loss but again the, hey, our, I I feel like like with georgia our goals are this podcast goals are still ahead of it so <laughs> we can still make it all right, Tony, uh, we'll talk uh, this week or next week whenever we do that. Otherwise, uh, hey, go dogs. Go dogs.
And thanks so much for listening and staying interactive with us on social media. If you'd like to follow our show on Instagram and or Twitter, you can do so by searching at WSLS Podcasts. We'll be back with our Kentucky preview next week as the dogs will be off this coming Saturday. And make sure to get your beer, wine, and liquor at the Northside or Westside Bottle Shop. And of course, you can always stop into Five Points Bottle Shop as well. Links to their websites where you can order online and our other podcast partners are linked in the show notes of this episode. We'll get through this. Yeah, we will. And we'll come back strong versus the Cats in a week. But until then, hope you have a great week and we'll see you on campus. And as always, go dogs and go Braves. That was kind of weak. Hopefully they win. I don't know if I can handle that. All right, we'll see you.